Just a little update on me. As you see, I'm still using the uh, stool. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, the strength has been coming back in my ankle. I can take on stairs straight on, up and down. Uh, the endurance isn't quite there yet. In fact, uh, walking feels a lot better than standing. But praise the Lord that the, the healing is coming. Uh, yes, in my flesh, I wish it was a little faster, but praise the Lord, it is coming, and praise Him that He's been with me through this journey. As I mentioned in the opening this morning, we are continuing through Hebrews, specifically Hebrews chapter 11. We'll be starting in verse 4, going through verse 6, if you would turn in your Bibles again to Hebrews chapter 11. The author says, By faith. Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Josh laid a beautiful foundation for chapter 11 last week. Today, we start a series of messages on the examples of faith, the individuals of faith that the author lays out for us. This morning, we're going to look at two examples, and then how they demonstrate faith in their lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for this text, for this truth, for this beautiful opportunity. We pray that your spirit would guide us as we look at these lives as we look at this truth, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 4 again. The author says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. This example, this account takes us back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 4, starting in verse 3. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. This event was long before the establishment of the sacrificial system. In looking at this, we have to make, we can make, we have to make some logical assumptions. Cain and Abel apparently had a place to worship. They brought offerings. They had to have an altar. By God's grace, he had apparently provided a place to worship. There seems also to have been a time for worship. In Genesis 4, it says, in the course of time. This literally means 
at the end of days. That is, at the end of a certain period of time, a specified time, at a specified time. It is not a far stretch to say then that God had set a special time, not only a place, but a time for sacrificing. The fact that Cain and Abel came to sacrifice at the same time also supports this theory. Cain and Abel would know nothing about the need for worship, for sacrifice, much less the way to do it, had they not been told by God. Maybe it was through their parents, through Adam and Eve. We don't know how it was revealed to them, but it's interesting to know that the first recorded act of worship was through sacrifice. It was an act of worship. In that it didn't save Abel, and I say it didn't save Abel because his was the only one that was accepted by God. It was an act of worship in that it didn't save him, but it acknowledged the one who would. It it worshipped the one who would save him. It was a sin offering. Abraham, too, he also sacrificed to God. And then finally, through Moses, came the rituals of sacrifice to all. The heart of the new covenant is Jesus perfect, once for all sacrifice on the cross. It's all sacrifice-centrific. That's what this act of worship, this first recorded act of worship was ultimately pointing to, was the sacrificial life of Jesus Christ. It's obvious that they didn't just stumble on to sacrifice as a way of worshiping God. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't something they came up with. Abel offered his sacrifice by faith. And since faith comes from hearing, Abel had to have had some sort of revelation from God on which his faith was based. We don't know how it was revealed to him. God has many ways that he reveals things to us, but it was revealed to him how he was supposed to worship his God. The time and the place and the way. They had to be revealed to him by God. There was nothing wrong with Cain's grain or fruit or vegetable offering, whatever it was. The mosaic in in itself in the elements themselves. The Mosaic Covenant included such offerings. But the blood offerings in the Mosaic Covenant were always first because only the blood offerings addressed sin. God commended Abel's sacrifice as better because it was offered in faith. The verse opens, By faith Abel offered. The life of faith begins with a sacrifice for sin. It begins with believing that we are sinners, that we are deserving of death, that we need God's, we are in need of God's forgiveness, and that we accept his plan for our deliverance. It was by that faith that Abel presented his sacrifice to God as an act of worship. 
And it's by that faith that his sacrifice was acceptable to God. When Abel did what God said, he displayed his obedience and acknowledged his sinfulness. Cain, on the other hand, was disobedient and didn't acknowledge his sin. Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain because God had required a blood sacrifice. Somehow, Abel, and Cain as well, knew what God wanted. Remember, they were one generation from the Garden of Eden. Their parents dwelt with God. They had every opportunity to know what God wanted. By faith, Abel did what God wanted. But Cain gave what he wanted. Now you could choose to look at this story and think, God was a little unfair to Cain. He was a farmer. He gave of his best produce. Cain could have traded with Abel for an animal to sacrifice. He could have presented a blood sacrifice. I believe he had the same opportunity to know that that's what God required that Abel had, but he chose not to. Abel was obedient and Cain was disobedient. Abel acknowledged his sin. Cain didn't. And if you go on and read in Genesis this account, at the end of that last verse, Cain didn't repent. He was angry. And he acted on his anger. We know what he did. Abel brought God what he believed God wanted. By his actions, he was saying, I believe you, God. I acknowledge my sin, and I acknowledge your solution for it. Cain, again, had the same knowledge of God's requirements. I believe that is fair to say, but chose to worship in his own way. In effect, he was denying his sin. Well, what did Abel get for his obedience? Well, the verse goes on to say, for he died but he still speaks. For his faith, he died, but he still speaks. He died. Cain lived. Abel was faithful. Cain was not. Abel died. Cain lived. There is a lesson here to be learned about holding loosely to this life that we know and being kingdom-minded. Abel's earthly life was cut short, in our opinion. But it still testifies today of the beauty of being faithful to our Creator. And it still testifies today because Abel didn't do it for his glory, but for God's. The second hero of faith this morning is Enoch. We go back again to Genesis, starting in chapter 5, verse 21. It says, when Enoch lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. 
And that was a short life by that time period. And then it goes on to say, and then Enoch walked. But Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. He didn't die. God took him up alive. It's reasonable to assume that, like Abel, Enoch also presented an acceptable sacrifice in worship. It's reasonable to assume that point. But then God chose for his, Enoch's life, to continue. And for 300 years, he walked with God. Verse 6, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. Abel and Enoch believed that God existed. Apart from faith, we can do nothing. We as individuals can do nothing to please God. Religious acts, ceremony in themselves, do not please God. Genealogy and heritage do not please God. The Jews thought they pleased God just because they were descendants of Abraham, but they were wrong. Good works in themselves do not please God. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. A belief of faith has to start somewhere. True faith is anchored in that starting point. You say, what do you mean, Kevin? Well, John MacArthur uses this example in his commentary. He says, the law of cause and effects holds that for every cause, there must be an effect. If you keep pushing further and further back for causes, trying to find the cause of the cause, eventually you will end up with an uncaused cause. That's a lot of causes. But the only uncaused cause is God. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 4. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Man could not exist but for an intelligent creator. It had to start somewhere. And it didn't start from some little amoeba or whatever you want to say. It didn't start from that. Mankind started when God created Adam. He took him from dust and created him. And Adam didn't have to evolve. He had instantly an intelligence that God put in him. How do you know that? Who got to name all the animals? How could you name the animals if you didn't have an intelligence that included a language to be able to give names? God is the ultimate cause. If you don't believe in God as the intelligent creator, you have no foundation. You have nothing to stand on. But with all the many natural, scientific, 
and rational evidences of God. Acknowledge Him. Acknowledging Him is still a matter of faith. We can observe God's creation and its magnificence and know that it, there had to be an intelligent creator, but acknowledging that, that intelligent creator is still an act of faith. Hebrews 11.1 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The first step of faith is simply to believe that God exists. Enoch and Abel did this. They believed that God existed. This belief alone, though, is not enough to save a person. But if it is a sincere conviction, a true belief, and is followed up, it will lead to full faith. True faith will produce evidence. 1 John chapter 5, verse 10. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Even the scientist receives proof after faith in their scientific experiments. When he develops a hypothesis, when he thinks something is true, when he thinks this is a probable outcome, he's developed a hypothesis. He has a belief in that hypothesis. His faith in that hypothesis becomes greater and greater as he gains more evidence. It is his faith in the hypothesis. If the hypothesis is actually true, that eventually leads to truth. His faith in his predicted end leads to the eventual truth. The weakness in the... The witness of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of believers is infinitely greater proof of God's existence than the conclusions of any scientific experience, experiment. Enoch sought God's reward. Verse 6 again. Whoever would draw near to God must, yes, again, believe that he exists. We covered that. And that he rewards those who seek him. It is not enough to simply believe that God exists. In order to please him, it is also necessary to believe that he is moral and just. That he will reward faith in him. We must recognize God as a personal, loving, gracious God to those who seek him. Enoch did not believe that God was an impersonal God. He believed in and knew God in a personal, loving way. For 300 years, Enoch walked with God, had fellowship with the true God, a God who he no doubt knew to be just, merciful, forgiving, caring, and very personal. It's not enough merely to think that God exists. Einstein said this, Certainly, there is a God. 
Any man who doesn't believe in a cosmic force is a fool. But Einstein goes on, but we could never know him. As brilliant as he was, Einstein was wrong. We can know God. We can know intimately the creator of the universe. In fact, in order to please him, we must believe that he is personal. Noble, loving, caring, moral, and responds graciously to those who come to him. Many Jews to whom this letter to the Hebrews was addressed acknowledged that God existed, the God of Scripture, but they didn't have true faith in him. They didn't trust in him. Enoch knew the true God and trusted the true God. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently find me. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Luke chapter 11, verse 10. Jesus said these words. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. It is not enough just to believe that God exists. We must also believe that he rewards those who seek him. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The ultimate reward for faith is salvation. That salvation includes forgiveness, a new heart, eternal life, joy, peace, love, heaven. Everything good is a reward that God has for us when we put our full faith and trust in him. When we trust in Jesus Christ, we become heirs with him. We receive the same inheritance. Trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is only the beginning. To continue pleasing God, we must fellowship with him. Walk with him just as Enoch did. The term walk is used many times in the New Testament to represent faithful living. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith, walk by faith, not by sight. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, be in fellowship, and you will not gratify the flesh. Like Enoch, Every day that we are on earth, we are called to walk with God, intimately with God. And when we get to heaven, we will walk with him forever. Cain believed in God. He believed in the existence of God or else he wouldn't have brought him an offering. He recognized God, but he did not obey God. He believed in God, but he did not walk with God. 
He thought he could approach God on his terms and God would be pleased. He was wrong. In order to please God, we must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. How does this apply to you? We've went through these three lives this morning. How does this apply to you, to me, to us? By being here this morning, by participating in corporate worship, you are acknowledging by your actions that God exists. But do you believe that he is a personal God? Do you believe that he rewards you? Do you believe that he sent his son from his right hand in heaven to be born in humility, to walk in obscurity, to face persecution, to face the dire agony of crucifixion, to be resurrected from the dead, to be the final sacrifice, and then go back to his place at the right hand of God, prepared to be our intercessor, to give us opportunity to be in fellowship with our creator, the ultimate reward. Do you believe that? Do you understand that? Do you know that? Does your life outside of these walls testify that you are walking with God? You are going to stumble. But as God observes your life, now it, doesn't, it ultimately doesn't matter what people observe. You can fool people. But as God observes your life, are you pleasing him? Are you walking by faith in him? He clearly explains the way to do so. And provides the means to follow the plan. He gives the sacrifice and the power to follow the plan. You can't ultimately blame your parents. Cain and Abel had the same parents. Yet one chose to honor God and the other chose himself. You can't blame anyone. My point is you can't blame anyone. It is your choice to make. What choice have you made? What choice are you making? If you've not made that choice, what choice will you make? I urge you this morning to choose the creator God, to choose to follow the plan that he has laid out, to lay down yourself, to embrace the sacrifice that he has made. It's done. Unlike Abel, unlike Enoch, unlike Abraham, unlike the faithful of the Old Testament who were looking forward to that sacrifice, we are in the point of history where the sacrifice is done, the sacrifice is made. We have it recorded. We have the, the record of the prophecies fulfilled. We have the record of the event of Christ being that final sacrifice. All we have to do is believe that God exists and believe that he rewards those who follow him. 
to believe that God is God and to believe that he loves us so much that he has laid out the plan of salvation, has provided for the plan of salvation for each of us. Do you have that faith? Have you chosen to please God? Have you embraced the wonderful goodness of God? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for this gift. We thank you for the rewards that you have given us, the rewards that you have laid out for us, Father. May we walk in the reality of those rewards, the gift of that truth, Father. May we believe that you exist. May we know that you reward those who trust you who walk with you, who embrace the finished work of the gospel, the finished work fulfilled by the ultimate sacrifice of your son. May we walk in that truth and in that gift, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.